Up All Night, Fly to the Angels, Mad About You, The Wildlife, and on and on. The band Slaughter had iconic songs in the early 90s and have continued to make music, go out and tour ever since. Lead singer Mark Slaughter has a terrific new album. It's called Halfway There. It's a solo album. And in a moment, you're going to hear a great song called Hey You. I'm Christian Blatt. This is After Buzz TV's The Concert Experience with special guest Mark Slaughter. Let's go. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Oh, that's right. You hear it right there. Hey, you. The first track from Halfway There, the new album by Mark Slaughter. His, I believe his second solo album will be available May 26th. Mark, thank you so much for making some time to join us here on the concert experience here on AfterBuzz TV. We really appreciate it. I think uh, Mark's just rocking out enjoying the uh, song here, which is great. But I believe the people watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see him in a minute. But uh, Mark, you hear me okay? Sure can. Great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, by the way, if people want to get in touch with you, it's always important to get all the particulars out there. MarkSlaughter.com and, of course, at MarkSlaughter33 on Twitter, Instagram, MarkSlaughterOfficial. Anyway, Mark, again, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, I really like the new album. and I was lucky enough to get a chance to listen to the whole thing this afternoon. Uh, before we talk about it, I'm going to just take a quick minute and tell you a little bit about my background and when I first was really exposed to the band Slaughter, Slaughter was actually the third band I ever saw perform live. So my first concert, Alice Cooper at the Ritz in New York City, March 1990. And there was wow. an opening band called The Front. But then my second concert, Kiss on the Hot in the Shade Tour, 1990. And you guys were the opening act. Uh, and our YouTube audience can see I actually have a... Uh, very well-worn ticket from June 17th, 1990, where I saw Slaughter open for kids at the Orange County Fairgrounds. And, you know, in those days, you didn't always head in to see the opening band, but I had heard Up All Night, and I was like, I need to see this band. And I was just blown away. And, you know, Kiss put on a great show that night. People are a little hard on them for that period of their their career, Hot in the Shade in particular, but they put on a great show. But Slaughter was so good that we were still talking about you guys afterwards. So, of course, it being 1990, I ran out and bought the cassette the next day, and uh, I definitely wore it out. So uh, that's kind of, you know, when I first was really experiencing the band. And uh, so it, it's been a while, and I'm very excited to get a chance to talk to you. The a reason I bring this up is because this show is the concert experience, Mark. So I'm kind of wondering what was, if not your first, but one of the first concerts that you went to that was really kind of inspirational to you, like, I need to do that? Or did it happen even before you ever went to a concert? Well, I think I was already into music as a very young child. I loved music. I loved uh, listening to records. In fact, that's one of my behavior things that my parents, if I behaved well, I get a 45 at the end of the the week. So uh, that was kind of one of the things that uh, I've always I've always loved and behaved well for and behaved bad too. But uh, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, 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 you know, I've always loved music. It's always been a part of my life. And, and uh, um, you know, look, I've, I've been able to do this for a long time. It's been great. But my first concert experience was, uh, was uh, Hart and also uh, uh, Kenny Loggins are, were my first two concerts. But I, I thought for a amazing. second, I thought for a second you were going to say Hart and Kenny Loggins played on the same bill, which would have been an interesting combination. No, no, they didn't. But uh, you know, one thing I really thought on both 
both acts, I was just like amazed at both vocally about how incredible, uh, you know, Anne was first and foremost. Sure. And, uh, and, and Kenny Loggins was amazing too. I mean, I know he's not in the, the metal wheelhouse things, but I mean, he, uh, he was an incredible singer. And again, as an entertainer, the first time I really just said, Oh my God, that's what I want to do with Sammy Hager when he was opening for Boston. And this was think, this was solo Sammy Hagar, not with Montrose anymore. This is when he was out, like can't drive fifty five. Yeah, he was on his own. He was he was on his own. Uh, uh, Boston was on the uh, Don't Look Back tour, and he was opening. Uh, Gary Peel was playing guitar with him at the time, and and uh, that was just one of those things. I just thought, man, that's so cool. The guy plays guitar and he sings and he entertains and he got the crowd going. And I think that's one of the things that I that I always looked at as as a entertainer after seeing that concert is I thought that was really cool how he brought the crowd into the con- into his world as opposed to like I'm here and you're there. And he he did a did that again. Sammy Hager is a totally different thing than when he was with uh, with Van Halen years later. But he was always that constant front man that I I thought he was great. I, after that, later I saw uh, I saw Van Halen, I saw Rush. You know, I was a big concert goer, and I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Latin Theater for Performing Arts. And I ended up graduating on that stage. And then when we came back to Vegas for the first time, I was able to play on that stage. So it was pretty amazing. Did you play on that stage as Slaughter? Or was that Vinnie Vincent Invasion or? Played it with uh, Slaughter. Oh, great. Uh, Vinnie, Vinnie Vincent, we we never made it through there. We were, you know, I was on tour with Vinnie Vincent Invasion was with Alice Cooper. That was in 1986. And then I was on tour with Iron Maiden. And uh, um, and then we came back and started working on the All Systems Go record. One of the most interesting things that I've heard you talk about in other interviews is that, you know, you were primarily a guitar player and you just sort of ended up being the singer because I guess it was bands when you were starting out. Nobody else wanted to sing. So so you did both. But then when it came to the Vinnie Vincent invasion, obviously Vinnie's going to be there to play the guitar and you just stopped playing guitar so that you could go out there and be a front man. Was it was it right. difficult to kind of only do that or did you, did it free you up in any way? I think. In the beginning, I was a little nervous about it because, you know, it's one thing fronting a band or, you know, doing a couple of songs without the guitar. But, you know, this is baptism by fire. I was sitting teaching about 279 lessons per month at Vesley Music when they were over there. And um, and then all of a sudden I'm a frontman uh, opening up for Alice Cooper, completely glammed out with my hair you know, way up high and yeah. we're all makeuped out in the glam era. And it was, you know, it was pretty intense. It was a very intense thing, but you know, I, I think that, uh, I got the hang of it. I think that from all the concerts and the things that influenced me in the early years, I think that's part of, 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 you know, what I was able to pull from, you know, when it came to actual front men, was there someone that you know, and let's let's not be sexist about it. It could be, you know, one of the ladies in heart. It could be a front person. But was there someone that you're like, okay, when I'm out here doing this, I want to try and have the connection that, whether it be Paul Stanley, Sammy Hagar, was there someone in particular that you felt like, apart from guitar playing, you're like, I want to emulate this front person? 
I think it was the sum of it all. I don't think that I, I still wanted to be my own person, but you know, you can always go back to, you know, each one of those, uh, you know, whether even Anne, uh, that she was amazing, man. She's a belter. She's belted her whole lifetime. Now I don't care if she's a girl, she can stand up to any guy all day long. Um, she was amazing. And Sammy Hager was, you know, I think that I, what I liked about him is it was, it was that party, you know, and that Van Halen with David Lee Roth. He is the epitome to a front man to me, you know, him and uh, Steven Tyler, if you opened up the definition of a front man, <laughs> I think that those two guys are, you know, their pictures are right there in the, in the encyclopedia as front men. Um, you know, I felt I was always like the guy next door it was kind of my thing. And I, uh, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to go up and do my thing and bring the audience into it. And when we were out with Kiss, they would kind of get ticked off because we'd have 300, 400 people back in the backstage area and, you know, got a little out of hand. But we enjoyed that whole kind of bringing the crowd into our world. And now Slaughter was a people's band from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, people, I mean, they really had a great connection. You know, like two nights later, I saw the Black Crows open for Aerosmith at the same venue in upstate New York where I grew up. And, you know, Black Crows went on to have great success, but I have, don't think I've ever seen a band have a worse connection than the Black Crows on that first tour. And I had just seen you guys, and I was like, oh, okay, so I guess this is what it's like with opening bands, that people basically boo you off the stage and they want to see Aerosmith. But, I mean, people loved you guys. So I think, like you said, being the band of the people goes a long way. Uh, as you go throughout your career, obviously, you get to work with so many great people. You get to tour with them. Uh, is there someone that kind of stands out that you had a moment where you're like, I can't believe I'm working with so-and-so on whatever project it was oh, or I mean, touring? From the, from the very beginning, when I, when I became – when I did my first show with Vinnie Vincent, when I was with Iron – when I was with uh, Alice Cooper, Iron Maiden, Kiss, Ozzy Osbourne. You know, we, we toured with Dan Yankees, we toured with Poison, we toured, I mean, you know, we, we toured with Whitesnake, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. So it's kind of like those things you, you go, man, that's pretty cool. Cause you yeah. know, you don't think about it when you're in it, but the music fan in you every once in a while, like when, you know, Ozzy would, would pull over and say, Hey man, how was the monitors yesterday? You know, how was that? <laughs> And you just go, wow, well, it was Ozzy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't think about it when you're when you're doing it. But he's the guy I listened to with all the Sabbath records when I was a kid. My headphones. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's part of the that's part of the of the thing to me that when you know when I ended up on stage with these people, it's not like one of those you know, oh my god, freak out moments. You just go, this is really you know, I'm living my dream. This is awesome. Yeah, and you know, you talked about Baptism by Fire with Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Now, the first actual Slaughter show was the opening night of the Kiss Hot in the Shade tour. So, I mean, obviously you guys had known each other, you'd played together with Vinnie, but this is the first time where this was this band. But were, were there any extra, I don't know, any extra butterflies or anything because you're taking the stage as Slaughter without, you know, the Vinnie's brand, well, I guess, attached to it? That was, you know, doing... Doing the first show with Slaughter was different because we never we rehearsed, but we never played live. We never played like a a club. You know, we did obviously in our individual bands when we were younger, but the first show we ever played, literally, 
We never even went in front of people. We just, our first show was in front of Kiss. And when we came off the stage at that show, John Sykes, our president of the record label, and, and Joe Keener, who's the CEO, were in our dressing room and surprised us with gold records at that show. So <laughs> it was like one, it was one of those shows that you go, not only did I get a chance to play with one of the legendary bands of all time, but there was a gold record waiting in my dressing room when I played my first show. This is going to be kind of cool. Yeah. So I was like, this is this. I think something's happening here, guys. You know, pinch me, but I think something's happening. And that's that's kind of. Yeah, I don't th- I, I don't know. I don't know uh, any other artist who's going to have that story. Oh, yeah. Our first show, we got a gold record. So, I mean, that's got to be tremendous success that has to feel great and you know to really kind of get that leg up and also i mean obviously the band slaughter came along at exactly the right time for the sound that you guys had already developed and i mean those songs were on the radio and on mtv when mtv was actually something that stood for music television and you know and it's funny because just it, it was the it was probably the perfect time for that and going out on that kiss tour i'm sure was you know great exposure for a band that was already getting decent exposure you know so uh at what point do you go on the first solo tour you know the first sorry first headline tour uh as far as slaughter goes yeah we did headline shows um kind of off during that tour if we had a day off we would go off and do uh, shows we did like a New Year's show here or there. I mean, we as far as a headline tour, you know, uh, we really didn't ever just do a headline thing. I think we stayed in the opening position for a lot of bands that was in the in the larger arenas and sheds. We stayed in that um, until uh, it's pretty much about ninety five. You know, it started to change. And we went into clubs and, it, you know, the whole climate of music had changed for all the, for all the bands. And uh, um, to us, we just kept going. I mean, we kept playing. And uh, as Dana states, it was a very difficult time for the band because, you know, it wasn't pretty. It was some some pretty rough venues and a lot of, you know, a lot of you know hard times. But I think that if you're an artist, you still make your art. You still take it to people. And that's kind of where our heads were at. Yeah, and speaking of art, I want to talk to you about the new album in a second. But I've also heard you speak in the past. You have almost like a zen-like approach to this notion that, you know, these hard rock bands of the early 90s were kind of pretty quickly edged out by the, you know, the grunge movement, the Nirvanas, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, etc. And it doesn't seem like you really hold a grudge. I've heard other people say that, oh, you know, those, those crappy bands, you know, in the, in the lumberjack shirts came along and kind of edges out. But you seem pretty cool about it. You know, that that's wrong to to say that any of those bands, Soundgarden was amazing. You know, all that stuff. There was some, there were some good bands, but the problem is with the recording industry is as soon as one band has success, they hire, they go and they sign a million of those bands and they inevitably kill that type of music because then they start signing everything that's like it instead of something that's original. You know, it's the same thing with the the bands. When we were signed, we were lucky enough to be able to keep the creative control. You know, Dana and I were able to produce those records and 
and and record all that stuff and you know the end of the day with all that we were the writers we were the producers and we're still the performers of that music to this day and we're the only band from our genre that can say that all the way through um in our genre um and you know the other bands that came up after us again the record labels would sign bands even in those years they'd sign a band because they liked them and then they'd hire an outside writer, they'd hire a producer, they'd have this guy play on it. And, and inevitably, they'd change exactly what they bought off in the band when they signed them and change them into something else that was a homogenized thing. So, you know, I think that's what the problem was with the industry. And it became more about whatever they could sell instead of the honesty of, of those bands. Again, Soundgarden was honest. Nirvana, if you love them or hate them, they were honest. I think it was, you know, again, I have no problems with Nirvana. I thought the songs were great. Yeah, and I think that obviously that's really the key and that's what it comes down to. And yeah, I think obviously there's those stories through the music industry throughout the decades of, you know, okay, now you need to be the next so-and-so. And and as soon as your starting point is be the next, whether it's be the, the next slaughter, the next poison, be the next Nirvana, as soon as you're trying to be the next anything, you're not really going to be anything that's going to connect. Well, maybe short term, you might get a couple songs on the radio, but uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be the smart approach really. Um, No, I think again, honest, it has to be honest. I think the music has to be, not put on and not like, hey, I think I can make a quick buck or a money grab on this by doing this. It has to be honest and it has to be along with what the artist represents. You know, yeah, I understand some artists wanting to go do this style or that style. But I mean, the integrity of of a record ultimately has to be what that artist represents. Right. Absolutely. And as we speak about albums that are, of course, honest and representative of the person. It's a great transition to Mark Slaughter's Halfway There, which will be available May 26th. And more information, markslaughter.com. And by the way, the band Slaughter has a separate website, slaughterusa.com. But I really like the new album. Like I said in the intro, I got to hear it this afternoon. And I just think that, you know, it was great. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how your previous album, which I also liked, Reflections in a Rearview Mirror, you kind of put that out yourself. What's the difference yeah. with this album and how it's out there? Well, I, you know, first and foremost, it's with Dave Ellison's label. I've known Dave a lifetime. and uh, Dave from Megadeth. EMP, Dave, Dave Ellison from Megadeth. And obviously, you I would assume you've known him probably for 25, 30 years, maybe just... Yeah. Yeah. Good 30 years. Exactly. And, and I think the, the key is with that is that, that, you know, you get in, in this industry at this point and it becomes about dealing with people who you want to deal with. Um, you know, uh, both Dave and Tom, you know, over at the label, uh, knows my vision. They know what I want to do with the record. And, and I think that they wanted to try to increase this, to the masses, so to speak, to take it to radio, to take it to those other markets and those other things that, you know, quite honestly, it's very difficult for a one person show to be the, the writer, the producer, the, you know, the engineer, the, the guitar player, bass player, da, 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 all the way down the line. And by the way, you're also the radio promotion, this and this and this, it comes a point where you have to say, listen, I, 
I need somebody else to do something. I can't be the mayor and the police chief at the same time. If we're going to run this town properly, let's get the right people and the people that I know that can get the job done. And, and that's ultimately what, you know, what's going on right now. And that's what people are seeing. It's like, wow, there's some momentum going on this record. The record was done right. And the people who are surrounding it are, are doing it right. Right. And as I mentioned, you do still go out and perform with the guys in Slaughter, but they basically have a day job where they're Vince Neal's band. So right. that probably had, a, I'm going to guess, that had a lot to do with you deciding the last couple of years that you were going to make solo records instead of new Slaughter records. It is. It is that. And to be honest with you, even in the Slaughter frontier, nobody's really jumping up and knocking my door down to do records. And, you know, as you see in my you know, here in my studio, I mean, there's a guitar in my hand, my stuff's ready, it's rolling, and I'm writing and I'm making music, you know, nonstop. That's what I do. And I think that as an artist, you continuously make art. So, you know, it's not, it's nothing against the band Slaughter. This is just me working and doing things when they're busy. I'm, I'm busy too. Yeah, and I like the fact that you're keeping busy and obviously putting out new music because we've heard plenty of people say, most loudly, Gene Simmons saying that I don't see the point in recording new music at this point. And well, I mean, and the reason why, and, and understand the reason why Gene's saying that is because monetarily it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense to make a record as far as, you know, a money grab situation. It's not important. But as an artist, if you're starting out, which is how I look at it, if you're starting out as an artist or even if you've been there a lifetime like Tony Bennett, you literally still make art. And there's no point where you should stop making art just because you're not going to make money at it. I think that you have to maintain that this is what I do. You know, when Kat Von D is not doing tattoos, she's drawing you know, she's drawing outside the tattoo shop because she's an artist. And that's really what, what I'm, where I'm at with all this is just continuously making art. And that's really where my mindset is on all this. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And I think the fact that, you know, once you put it out there, you don't really have any control as to, you know, I mean, obviously you can do things like this and promote it and make sure people are aware of it. But if people buy it, they don't buy it. You still got the chance to express yourself and because I, I know we got started late and I know you only have a few minutes, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the tracks. When we started, we heard a little bit of Hey You, which I think is great right. because it just literally grabs you while you're listening to it. And I was, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds in. I'm like, all right, this is kind of how I felt putting on that Slaughter cassette that I mentioned that I wore out. And you know, I, I had it on in the car and I'm like, this is exactly what I want. So I was very excited that that's kind of, you know, that's a great song to put out there because it's it's like a i was gonna say it's a punch in the face which sounds bad but it's like a good punch in the face you know it's well i think it's a punch in the face of like do you remember this you yes. know i it's again it's it's not too far away from where i came from it's just got a little bit more teeth to it and uh um you know at the end of the day again at the end of the day with the whole record there's some really heavy stuff on it but it's songs and it's songs that relate to, you know, not only the experiences that I've gone through in my life thus far, but a, a lot of people have talked to me about their stories and what they've been through. And, you know, again, I'm a storyteller. So there's a lot of stories and there's a lot of heart. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of pain that we all go through. In this. 
happens. And that's what life is about. And that's what music is about. Yeah. You know, and you referenced that there's some really heavy songs on the record and uh, the song Devoted, I was just really impressed. I'm like, oh, okay, that's where we are. We're going to just not slow it down the next song. It actually just amped it up even more. And I was like, wow, this is a really yeah. heavy song. And I don't mean this as an, an insult. It's heavier than I expected I was going to get from this record. And in right. a completely good way, I was surprised. Well, good. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted, but it, it wasn't something I said, okay, now I'm going to write this. It's just, these are, this is the mood of where I came from on this record. And again, it was written for vinyl. This record was made for vinyl. I, you know, I really wanted to take not only the listener, but in my own head, if I was listening to, you know, a Black Sabbath record or Hard or, you know, Led Zeppelin or whatever it is, when you put the headphones on, you get lost in that music as you're falling asleep, you know, and that's really what I tried to do is make it to where there's just this journey that the music takes you on. And that's ultimately what I think is, is achieved on this record. But at the same time, it's, it's not running away from where I came from. Right. And I would say that the title track halfway there, I mean, just listening to it, it, it seems like it's a very personal song. And I think that's exactly what you were talking about in terms of just expressing yourself and, you know, making art and hoping that people connect with it. Uh, and, you know, you're singing about it, it seems like you're talking about, if I remember correctly, and I'm going to admit I only heard it once this afternoon because I didn't get it until today. But, you know, you were talking about your mom in it. And it was funny because I identified with that because I talked about that Alice Cooper concert I went to. The person who took me to that was my mom who made a fake ID yeah. that said I was 16 when I was only 14. So I was, just, right. you know, it definitely resounded with me in that way. Right, right. Well, I think that, you know, again, you know, you're your family is your environment and, and where you came from. And, you know, this whole song of halfway there is really about your relationship with your family. And as you grow older and when you have kids and when basically when you're dead and gone, and this whole song is not necessarily cats in the cradle uh, mindset. We have a, sl- you know, the wheel of life. So speaking, and it's, I'm halfway through this. Ooh. I think that's your phone probably telling you about the other call you have, which, uh, yeah, but that's all right. We had Sorry. a little technical glitch, but, uh, we'll, we'll definitely let you go in, in a few minutes. Uh, now, do you have any plans to do any solo performances, whether it's not a tour or anything, but do you plan to do this material live or is it really just about doing the slaughter tour? Is that the only thing that's um, you know, coming it, up? You know, I'm going to continue doing slaughter shows. Obviously it's what I've, you know, that's what I have known and love and I'm going to continue to do that, but I'm also going to take this music forward and take it out there. I've got a great cast of characters that I'm going to be, you know, doing this with. Um, uh, Mike Himmel on guitar and, uh, there's, uh, Jamie Millard also known as the pink baseman. And also, uh, Bobby rock is on one show and Ken Mary is going to be playing drums on another show. So it's kind of like this cast of characters of people that I know and ultimately are friends of mine that are really, really great players. And I think that we'll be able to bring something forward that, that, uh, people are kind of looking for. Well, I think it's great that, you know, that you'll be able to actually share the music with people and obviously MarkSlaughter.com. People can find out about the album and any dates. 
Uh, you know, again, we got started late, so I, I know we need to let you go. Uh, in our last minute or so, it's a story I know you've told before, but I just really wanted to share with the audience. When you first started on the tour with Kiss, uh, I know that Gene Simmons approached you right away about Vinnie Vincent. And just the way I've heard you tell it before, I just think it would kind of be a fun way to kind of go out on this conversation. Oh, you mean like, uh, we're not going to listen. We're not going to talk about Vinnie Vincent. We're not going to ever discuss him out here at all. <laughs> we're not going to reference him in any way. And we're just going to let that go. It's a part of our life that's done. And I said, great, Gene. Okay. And then a little later. So when you worked with Vinnie Vincent, <laughs> let me ask you something. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I am a huge fan of Gene Simmons impressions and it seems like people who get the chance to be around him, you can't help but take it on because I would say in terms of everybody in rock and roll, he's one of the most larger than life characters, you know, him and Ted Nugent, of course, come to mind is just sort of the most unique sure. people out there. Yeah. All of whom I've actually, you know, had the the joy of touring with. Even Uncle Ted, we've uh, <laughs> I've had some good times with Ted. One time, when, you know, we'll we'll end it with this. We were we were ending a tour actually in Las Vegas, and uh, uh, I, I called a buddy of mine and I rented a panda suit, and uh, <laughs> and I put this panda suit on, and you know, I'm kind of a, a jokester, a comedian, so to speak. Put my pass on over the panda suit, walk backstage knocked on Ted Nugent's door and Ted, you know, he opens the door and he looks at me like, Oh man. And, and, and I said, hello, Ted, give me a hug. (laughs) I took the head of the panda off and he goes, he goes, Mark Slaughter, you crazy son of a bitch. I thought you were one of those pita fuckers and I was going to have to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. You're lucky he didn't reach for his bow and arrow when he, as soon as he saw oh, it. Let, let, let me tell you something. That guy's a marshal and he does carry, but... You know, look, that's that's the joy of it all. You know, you get to know people's, you know, personalities and stuff. And he got a kick out of it. And so did I. And, you know, we're all lucky to laugh through life and, you know, get a chance to experience all this stuff. So it's good times. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Well, and again, the album Halfway There, also a great time to listen to. I hope people go out and get it. And however you consume music these days, May 26th is when it's available, markslaughter.com. And as I mentioned, at markslaughter33 on Twitter and at markslaughterofficial on Instagram. Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a great treat to get a chance to talk to you, even if it was just for a little bit about well, the thank record. Thank you. And, and glad that uh, you caught me in the early years. And uh, come on out. We're still doing it. We're still rocking it. And we're uh, still... Uh, shaving the heads of all of those in the front <laughs> with uh, some loud music. I mean, it's if, if it's loud, too loud, you're too old. So come on out and get you some. Yeah. I've got too many, <laughs> I've got too many gray hairs. So you know what? Yeah. Let's have you shave it a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks so much, Mark. And uh, thanks Thank so much you. to uh, everybody who joined us. That's Mark Slaughter. As I said, the new album halfway there will be available May 26th. More information, markslaughter.com. And uh, as uh, we go out, uh, Steve in the booth, if you just play a little bit more Hey You so that people can hear a bit of it. And uh, we'll say thanks to everybody who joined us. We really didn't have time to uh, get to the people that were in the chat, but I really appreciate everybody that was there on YouTube joining in with us. Thanks so much. And uh, we will see you next time on The Concert Experience. You can follow me on Twitter at Christian DMZ, and I have a personal podcast called The Black Cast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Thanks so much, and let's enjoy a little bit more Hey You.
From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.